0: Welcome to this Thursday edition of Sports Talk, with plenty swirling around to for us to kick around here in the next 90 minutes. Yeah, 90 instead of uh, two hours total for the program today, as at 5.30 we'll start our game day coverage from the State Farm Center. I'm Scott Beatty along with Lauren Tate for this hour. Evan and Matt will be with you after the news at 5 o'clock, taking you till pre-game coverage and then it's Illinois against Bethune-Cookman. Here on these signals, we'll actually go to Illinois women's hoops against Wisconsin. The men will play on Light Rock 97.5. And after the women conclude in their Big Ten game, we'll join in progress the men against Bethune-Cookman and do some post game for you as well. So basically, from here on out, it's Illini Sports the rest of the night, and we're glad to be here with you. Commissioner Lauren Tate is here in the house as well. Good to see you, sir. Well, the
2: bear job looks pretty good, doesn't it, for <laughs> Kevin Warren? I mean, I think the 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 main factor is that he was involved in in construction and building at Minnesota, and the Bears are talking about the same thing in Chicago mm-hmm. about moving to Arlington, and maybe he's they they want him to be the one to to run that. So he's evidently going to interview with the Bears, or has already, or will be entering. I'm sure he's already talked to him. But uh, there'll be something formal come up, and sounds like he might leave the commissionership and, and take over the Bears.
0: Yeah, if you're just joining us, it was first reported, I believe, by ESPN. Other outlets now reporting as well that Kevin Warren has interviewed a couple of times with the mm-hmm. Chicago Bears. Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, and, and, and uh, he may take the president and CEO job for the Bears. Now, that really is on the business side of things more than it's not a, player personnel uh, job, like, you know, that's Ryan Poles as the, mm-hmm. as the GM uh, for the Bears. But this is a similar position that Warren had with the Minnesota Vikings, as you just mentioned. A couple of years ago, if there was talk of Kevin Warren leaving the Big Ten commissionership, there would have been a lot of Big Ten fans that would have said this can't come soon enough. Well he's Since been under then. a lot of pressure. He has. But that was during the whole pandemic and the will they or won't they play the Big Ten season? And then they weren't, and then they were, and then and, and then Ohio State got to go, you know, win the East even though they didn't have the same number of games, and Michigan had Illinois, beat Illinois in the conference race, even though unequal games and all that. And then he signed a big contract for the Big Ten and the new media rights deal. And he's really actually guided the Big Ten through a lot of transition as NIL opens up, transfer portals. How's that working out? Well. How's that NIL working out? Depends on who you ask. (laughs) Well, do you know, can you find
2: anybody that thinks it's working out well? Can you find a single soul? I don't
0: think there's anybody I mean, that is, likes this it. This
2: is wild inducement, where people are buying people for a million dollars, and in high college, I high think, school players going to college. I think it's
0: the players that are getting the money. Yes, like that's it.
2: okay. I'm not. I'm not upset with them getting the money. I'm just upset. There's no rules. There's. No, I mean, you know, how do you handle this? Yep. Did you see the the thing going on at uh, at Iowa, where the Iowa athletic director Bartow won't give the information over to the uh, to the collective so that they can contact and make the contacts necessary to to carry this thing out. They're having problems. Purdue was reported having problems, although they outbid us for, uh, for, for a card. Quarter-
0: for a quarterback.
3: Yeah, now,
2: I don't know if that's entirely true, however, because they had a lot more going for them in trying to get a quarterback than we did. There's no question. I mean, they're a quarterback school. We're a running back school. Um, there's a, if, if you're a quarterback, you'd think twice about whether go to Purdue or Illinois, you would you would go to Purdue. Plus, you got Drew Brees involved,
0: and you know, great and, and little quarterbacks. Sure. Coming up, we'll talk with Nick Quartaro, get his thoughts from get the thoughts of Coach Q in our Q and A session on the upcoming semifinals games for the college football playoff that include Michigan and Ohio State, as well as Illinois' game against Mississippi State on Monday in the bowl game in Tampa. We're going to get into that in a moment. But uh, just one other note here is again, reportedly, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren is among the finalists for the Bears vacant president job. That would uh, make a new commissioner sh- uh, for the Big Ten. And uh, Matt Fortuna pointing this out, so did uh, who reports for The Athletics, so did Adam Rittenberg, who reports for ESPN, that 12 of the 14 Big Ten schools have had turnover at the top of at either the chancellorship or the presidency in their schools, is that would be the job that Robert Jones holds for Illinois as mm-hmm. chancellor. And that's the council that would hire a new commissioner. Mm-hmm. And there has been a tremendous amount of turnover since Kevin Warren took over a few you years you got two ago.
2: additions coming in too that's going yeah, uh, yeah.
0: foul things up even more. How would you like to try to run the Big Ten from Rutgers to UCLA? If I'm the Big Ten... And I have no information. I have that Big Ten Council. Josh Whitman's on my short list to be the commissioner.
2: Oh, we've got two guys, two Illini guys that, you know, Jim Phillips would be the other. And he is the commissioner of the ACC,
0: and he did finish a strong second. A strong second. To Kevin Warren. To Kevin Warren. And maybe uh, Jim Phillips, realizing the landscape now that's changed since he took over at the ACC, might say, uh, "Yeah, I'm ready to come back to the Big Ten.
2: Well, one of the reasons that they didn't want—they said they didn't want him before—was because they didn't want to have somebody from within their own ranks become the the commissioner. And I mean, I, I,
0: that has been the trend now amongst the conferences: the Pac-12, Big 12. Etc. they've all brought in commissioners from the outside. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that the Big and the Big Ten did that with Kevin Warren. I don't know that the Big Ten would pivot back to let's promote, so to speak, an athletic director one from one of our institutions. I don't know that's going to happen. And, look, it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, Josh Whitman and Jim Phillips should be on the short list because those are names we know. Yeah. I mean, how many people have – Well,
2: Jim Phillips will be
0: on the list without any doubt.
2: Yeah. Because he did finish second, but, uh, but I'm just telling but you I don't that know. he who has turned it down immediately. Who's you know? the
0: type of person that has the makeup to be a commissioner? I think Josh Whitman does, and it might mm-hmm. be to Illinois' loss. Oh yeah, it would be a big loss for Illinois if, if we lost Whitman. Yeah, but again, I'm just I am telling you what I would what I'm thinking, not what I'm hearing, or that that's even a possibility. I don't know that.
2: Well, we I'm don't even saying. know for sure that Warren's going to go. Exactly, but it sure looks that way,
0: doesn't yep. it? Meantime, Josh Whitman and the Illinois football team are in Tampa Bay getting ready for Monday's ReliaQuest Bowl against Mississippi State. Illini head coach Brett Bielma talked with the media today for the formal head coach press conferences.
4: Very excited to be here. Just came from the practice field. We um, uh, really enjoyed our time here. Came down on the 26th and um, uh, had some some great interaction. Uh, I think. Uh, Today they're uh, getting a good chance to go to Busch Gardens, so they're excited about that. Kind of let them run for the first couple of days, and uh, this for us is Tuesday of game week, so we kind of locked into our preparation phase now, still letting them balance a little bit of fun during the day and uh, uh, partaking in some of the things that uh, uh, the bull game has set up for us. So excited about that. Uh, obviously, uh, had a chance to visit with Zach at the press conference um, uh, from our fan base and from our university, obviously condolences for Mike. Um, uh, a very special uh, coach and, and i know someone that's on the hearts and minds uh, from him and his family and also uh, to mississippi state but i think this game is about uh the, the reward for our guys um that uh, went through a really uh, kind of a tale of two different seasons uh, started off a little disappointment with a big 10 loss at indiana and then to go on a six game win streak and then have three tough losses in a row and to cap it off with a, a rivalry win against northwestern i thought to get the bid to come here to tampa and Uh, a bull experience I've had with with Jim and and, uh, his organization on several different occasions as a coordinator as a head coach also so I'm very excited to be here and looking forward to the opportunity to play on the seconds
0: and Brett Bielman today also discussed who will fill some of those roles in the secondary with players opting out as well as the running back role as well
4: we really got banged up in the secondary at the end of the year last uh, of this season so uh, you know obviously spoon and and Sid were huge parts of our back end uh, our, our uh, success, but uh, we have been able the last two or three games to get you know um uh, Xavier was uh, scott you know had a, a tremendous role really from the Michigan game on and played a lot of football for us uh Josh McCray on the opposite side of the ball obviously was with chase hopping out Josh has been hundred percent involved in bowl practices he actually did the devo practice too because he was he was clear to play at that point so you know, he's uh, basically a guy that we were counting on big things before the year's ever started, and he's never been full strength since Indiana. So uh, he ran right, right, almost ran over me today. He looks pretty good. Um, so that, and then a, a, a guy that uh, Tyler Strain, you know, really had a nice, you know, couple games there at the end. Um, he got knocked out of the uh, Purdue game with a concussion, but uh, has really come in and done a nice job. So I, I think, obviously, the way these guys play offense, right, we're, our, our secondary is going to have to be. Uh, at its best and and uh, coach henry new play caller right but he literally called plays all year uh, during practices during scrimmages so uh, this was something that you know it's new because it's new uh, but it's not really new to our guys i really haven't seen any hiccup in what they've done
0: so once again we hear that josh mccray may play
2: (laughs) (laughs) that all year i I was interested that he mentioned that four players have been uh, invited to the combine which means the nfl combine which We know that would be Chase and Sidney, and it would probably be a Devin Witherspoon. Witherspoon. I don't know who the fourth is.
0: Could be a lineman like uh, Alex Palcheski or mm-hmm. a Julian Pearl. Pearl's coming back. Oh, okay. Maybe a Johnny Newton, uh, who's who who uh, said yesterday he's unsure of where he's going. He's coming back. Okay. <laughs> see, Lauren knows more than Johnny no. Newton does. <laughs> well,
2: we'll see if I'm right, but right, as of now, they have accepted – Deals to come back, both Pearl and Newton. Quan Martin? Well, I don't think so. I think No, Kwan... to go to the Combine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's Maybe my... he's the fourth? I think Perse... per... Palchewski? Probably. I think Palchewski's probably it. Could be Martin. Um, and it could be somebody that's just, uh, I don't know. I don't
0: mm-hmm. know who the fourth one is. Alex Palchewski will <laughs> finally, finally play his last game as an Illini. NFL or not in his future. By the way, it couldn't be DeVito, could it? uh well i suppose it could be fourth could be could be yeah could be he's had a pretty good year but the fact that he wanted uh or is discussing coming back but maybe maybe he's as surprised as anyone that he would get an NFL combine invite i'm not trying to denigrate him i'm just saying uh, i don't know where the cutoff is to who gets an invite but alex Palcheski will play his final game of course he wants the win what else does he want uh this week
4: very excited to be here just that's,
0: that's not alex Palcheski. that's Brett Bilma here he is just kind of appreciation, just knowing that, like, I spent as much time as I could with,
1: with these guys with that I've played a long time with. You know, like a Julian Pearl, uh, you know, like, on the bookend, and maybe one Mr. Tommy DeVito, I don't know, like, he's... The greatest-looking quarterback in the Big Ten, and you know Tariq Barnes, you know, just the face of Memphis, Tennessee. But I mean, just, just spending time with all those guys uh, is obviously truly something special.
0: And I think he's a little tongue-in-cheek there with some of the guys that were hanging around him there during the media <laughs> availability. But uh, the brotherhood and the hanging out in the the locker room, and as well as the games, you hear a lot of guys that are leaving talk about uh, that kind of stuff. So that's some of what's going on in, in Tampa Bay. Uh, We can get more into the coaching situation. Aaron Henry today officially announced as the defensive coordinator. That was known for a while now, but they put out the formal press release today, so he moves up. Brett Bielma says he has somebody in mind already for the secondary coach, somebody he'd interviewed previously. He already has that. He expects to name it tomorrow.
2: Yeah. Uh, It's interesting, he he didn't want to say today, did he? I guess not. It it
0: makes you wonder if the guy's playing today, (laughs) (laughs) if he's involved in a game today or something like that. And he is waiting for the NFL season to wrap up before he puts together the running back and the linebacking coach. For now, Andy Boo will take over both outside and inside linebacking.
2: And how many players, when these bowl games are over, are going to be jumping in and, and jumping into the portal?
0: That's a really good question. Uh, I think there's a lot of playing time out there for uh, good players here already with Illinois. I don't expect a lot of players who have been starting or or would be expected to start next year jump and ship here. I think it's going to be, if anything else, it's going to be second and third string type guys. That's my
2: guess. uh, That's my guess, too. But uh, you've got to you got to make sure that they, that somebody's not going to be able to offer them more than we are.
0: Oh, there you go, assuming it's all about money. Well, oh, wait a minute. What a terrible <laughs> assumption. <laughs> coach Q&A segment coming up. Former Big Ten assistant coach Nick Quartaro, who uh, also played at Iowa and is well-connected to many in the Illini program and beyond. Our friend and contributor will join us in just a moment. You're
5: listening to Sports Talk on DWS.
6: Hi, this is Ryan Hopkins from Fisher Basketball. There's more Illini basketball Thursday night when the Illini take on Bethune-Cookman right here on Newstalk 1493.9 FM.
0: And again, we'll start our pregame coverage in an hour at 5.30 from the State Farm Center. Lauren and I will motor over there in a little bit. And then we'll peel away for women's hoops at 6.15. Mike Kuhn on the call from Madison, Wisconsin. And then... Uh, after that concludes, we'll join up with the men in uh, at Bethune-Cookman. We'll have post-game coverage here tonight. By the way, in the women's world, number 4 Indiana fell to Michigan State. That's a big upset, so conference play has started. All right, time to talk with Coach Nick Quartaro. It's our Coach Q&A segment. We've been doing this all season long. And Nick Quartaro, at least one more time here to get us ready for the weekend of football, which includes – two semifinals in the college football playoff, as well as Illinois' game on Monday. Coach Q, good to talk to you again, sir.
3: Yes, yeah, great to be with you guys. That uh, This is what we've been waiting for, right, this coming weekend and obviously the week after, but it's all coming to a head and certainly exciting.
0: Are you a uh, put-yourself-on-the-couch-or-the-recliner-and-consume-all-the-bowls-you-can kind of guy when it comes to this weekend?
3: Well, this weekend, for sure, I'm excited uh, about Saturday. Um, I think that Kansas State, because I spent five years there, but the Kansas State-Alabama game will be interesting. Um, I'd like to say my Hawkeyes versus Kentucky is going to be a thriller, but I can't quite say that right now. Uh, (laughs) But other than that, certainly the college football playoff games that we'll discuss here are uh, are what uh, what you dream about we we only have 4 in the playoffs right now it's going to 12 in a couple of years so um this is it we got to dig into it and find out who's the best in the country
0: well and this question was asked of Brett Bielman today and Zach Arnett the uh, acting head coach for Mississippi State or sorry the new head coach uh, beg your pardon for for Mississippi State but with the playoff expanding to at least 12 teams in the future, bowl games are going to feel more like a consolation, I think. And, you know, they really talk about it being a reward for the players. Um, do, do you think the the appetite for playing in bowl games is going to uh, change with with big-time programs?
3: I think it will just a little bit. But as we talked about, I think maybe in our last show, and you just heard Brett Bielema talk about it, there's still a lot. To be celebrated for many, many teams who don't make the playoffs. So when we get to those 12 teams, there's 130 teams playing Division I football. 12 will go to the playoffs. And yet there's some really good teams, some, uh, well, we've seen uh, some compelling matchups that we've had. Last night's games were amazing. And those weren't all, you know, 10 and 2, 11 and 1 teams. But the, uh, the idea when you roll the ball out there, and it's time to keep score and compete i think kids and coaches show up and it means a lot and i know also for certain programs that have been maybe um bowl starved due to some bad years recently they want to go somewhere warm during the winter and enjoy time celebrating their team and enjoying a, a great occasion such as that so i think it might get watered down just a little maybe a little more of what people are calling an exhibition game but I still think, as I said, anytime you're keeping score uh, and the game counts on your win-loss record, you're going to have good competition.
2: I just noticed, uh, Coach Hugh, that uh, four of the uh, SEC teams played in bowls: Missouri, uh, Florida, uh, Arkansas, four of them. And the average between fifty-seven thousand fans and sixty-five thousand fans—that's a pretty yeah. good turnout for a bowl game. I mean, those yeah. SEC schools still want to play in bowl games, even if they're not in a playoff.
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Lauren. It's amazing, the appetite for football in certain parts of the country. And I wouldn't discount, certainly, the uh, the Big Ten footprints either. I'm not quite sure about the West Coast, but certainly the uh, Southeast, the Southwest, a good bit of the Northeast and the Midwest, they all love their football.
0: Well, let's get into what we're going to see this weekend. And why not, why not start with the uh, playoffs? Michigan- TCU, Ohio State, and Georgia, take your pick there, sir.
3: Okay, well, let's go with the way they show up on our TV screen. I think Michigan TCU is up first, which is the Fiesta Bowl. And really, um, you know, kind of the headline that, that flies above this particular game is, you know, the Horn Frogs have a very, very potent offense, but can their defense hang in there? Um, one note as I was doing my research, and I saw TCU play a lot this year. Obviously, I've seen Michigan play a lot. TCU has played six, six one-score games this year. So you can look at it a couple different ways. Not so dominant sometimes, or do you look at it as they find ways to win regardless of the competition or the situation they're in? They make it happen, and they and they win football games. The only one they didn't was the Kansas State game and the Big 12 uh, championship. But, you know, when, when I look at uh, TCU, if I'm a Big Ten guy, if I'm a Michigan fan, and I'm trying to study TCU, the guy that was a Heisman finalist, Max Duggan, is really the man that makes it go. He's the ultimate leader. He's got a tremendous, is what we coaches call, it factor. He just has it all the intangibles along with the physical attributes that you'd want in a quarterback. And he kind of puts, uh, I hate the cliche, but he puts the team on his shoulders and doesn't mind carrying them when he needs to do that. So I I think he's uh, a very big X factor in this game in terms of TCU's hopes of trying to defeat Michigan. When I look at, uh, if I'm coaching uh, with uh, Coach Harbaugh and those guys up in Ann Arbor, as they look at TCU, they're going to find a team that will stretch the Michigan defense every bit of every yard from sideline to sideline, horizontally, and, of course, vertically. They do it with their formations. And the other thing they do that Michigan cannot simulate in practice, you just can't do it, is TCU's got one of those hyper-up-tempo systems that causes your defense to have to get lined up in a hurry not a lot of chances to make adjustments you've got to have basic calls and be able to execute them in a real real fast manner and the other thing that tcu has and i i really believe they're comparable if not better than ohio state's wide receivers is the wide receiver core at tcu maybe the best in the country uh quentin johnson is a six foot four junior who is just outstanding nfl ability written all over him and they've got three other guys that are really, really good. And as I say, they're at least Ohio State level, if not just a scotch better than that. So that's a lot to handle. Um, again, swing it back to Michigan's side. I think Michigan against TCU's defense. Michigan's offense, as we know, is a bloodier your nose winded-in-the-trenches type of offense. And, and, the big and, We've seen J.J. McCarthy develop this year. We've seen him toward the end of the year throw the ball down the field, good accuracy, trying to make big plays as opposed to early in the year when everything was basically between 5 and 10 yards. So, uh, Coach Harbaugh is going to line up with two tight ends, three tight ends, sometimes the fullback, and try to mash TCU. What does TCU have on defense? Well, I'll tell you. They've got good athletes. They've got excellent team speed. But their defensive structure is not something that we see a lot in the Big Ten. They call it a 3-3-5, meaning 3D linemen, 3 linebackers, 5 DBs. So that's not a lot of size in there. And they are determined to play that regardless of what offense they face. They have uh, adaptations they make, adjustments they make. The bottom line is they're going to sit there with three D linemen and three linebackers, and I just don't know that they can go toe to toe for sixty minutes of football against the Michigan offense. And I think that's why Michigan, at this point, is favored, at least from what people tell me, by a touchdown or maybe eight points in this game.
2: Well, Coach, uh, let's switch over to Ohio State. Uh, They're they're facing a little tougher assignment in Georgia for sure. What do you think?
3: Well, you know, when people talk about this game, they like to talk about talent. And talent is obviously innate skills and abilities uh, related to the game of football. But what they're really talking about is the type of recruits that each program has been able to bring in over the last four, five, six years. And uh, I think someone told me that Ohio State and the Bulldogs each have 15, 15 five-star recruits on their roster now five-star recruits doesn't mean they're all great players because you have to show up and play but that's what they were coming out of high school or wherever they got them so obviously talented rosters on each side george's mantra or byword is physicality 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 it's preached every day in their meetings every day on the practice field And whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, Kirby Smart does not accept anything less than total commitment to being a physical football team. And I think that's a big deal here. Certainly, Ohio State is big in the Big Ten. Certainly, they're physical. But Georgia's kind of at another level of physicality. And the perception or sometimes the criticism of Ohio State when it comes to offense in particular is that they rely a lot on their talent and their speed, which of course they have a lot of that. But sometimes the Buckeyes suffer when they're matched up with a team that can outphysical them up front. And what have we done? We've seen that, right? We've seen mm-hmm. that with Michigan the last couple of years. So I think you know we're silly not to put an asterisk on that point and realize that that's that's a uh, Georgia advantage. In my research, too, I, I, and I know you know some people around the country that I've spoken with, they say you have to respect Ohio State's wideouts, certainly their slots, so they've got talented receivers, and the tight end's a real good player. That's what makes them good offensively. And then when they can run it, and I say when they can run it, Ohio State is obviously as elite as anybody in the country. That will be the chore. That will be the task that's what will give Ohio State a chance to win the game. If they don't have to rely solely on throwing the ball down the field, if they can show enough, in my opinion, enough of a a threat offensively to provide some type of balance in their attack, then I think they have a chance. Because I do think Ohio State's receiving crew, their skilled athletes, their backs, they match up well. And in fact, Ohio State's receivers probably get a, a little nod over the DBs. At Georgia, but the question is, will Stroud have time? Will he be having guys like Jalen Carter, who's a phenomenal D lineman for Georgia? Will he be straight up in his face, pushing the middle of the D line? Um, you know, you just don't know until they get out there in battle. But the physical aspect goes to Georgia. The other thing that I I really come to admire is Georgia's offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. He does a fabulous job of mixing their personnel groups, their formations, their motions. You'll see a lot of movement, a lot of different looks. And I'm really curious how Jim Knowles of Ohio State's going to handle that. And obviously Ohio State played better defense this year overall, but they still had some hiccups. And we saw them in our conference, right? So now you're going to be facing elite talent across the board, Uh, from, uh, the Georgia offense. And now you've got to be able to match up with the different types of looks that Todd Munkin's going to show you. You know what's interesting, too? Todd Munkin comes from a coaching family. Mm -hmm. His brother, his brother Jeff is the head coach at Army, as maybe you know. So you got Jeff running the triple option at Army and you got Todd running a multi spread pro offense at Georgia. Kind of interesting what they're, um, holiday conversations are about when it comes to
0: offense <laughs> george also has the advantage of playing in atlanta as uh, the peach bowl is the host and that's just the way things uh, drew up what's your quick um outlook on illinois in the relia quest bowl they're slight underdogs obviously they're going to be missing key players against mississippi state
3: Yeah, yeah, and I know that uh, we don't get a lot of news out of uh, Starkville or, you know, the Mississippi uh, news outlets. But, you know, uh, Mississippi State did lose their top receiver. Uh, Rara Thomas went in the portal, and guess where he's playing next year? University of Georgia. How about that? Mm. So the best receiver off one of the top passing offenses in the country at Mississippi State will not be playing, but he's anyway. So that's good for the Illini in that regard. Also, a running back who shared the duty. They kind of had running back 1A and 1B, and this guy was 1B named Dylan Johnson. He, too, went into the portal. So, you know, that's that's good for the Illini defense, knowing there's a couple of uh, pieces missing off that Mississippi State offense. What I find intriguing about this matchup is the fact that, uh, and I know Brett just mentioned it in that press conference, you've got Aaron Henry, who even though he's been helping with calls and things like that at practice and doing a game, it's a whole different deal on a true game day, again, when the scoreboard's for real and, as we say, live bullets are flying out there. So he's matching up against a first-time play caller in place of the now-departed Mike Leach because Mike called every single play. He had it either in his head or on his little cocktail napkin that he had notes written on there. But no one else called an offensive play at Mississippi State in their three years with this staff. So it'll be interesting to see just how these new play callers go head-to-head and if there's any hiccups on either side in that regard. Uh One thing you do want to be aware of is Mississippi State plays good defense. And uh, they had three guys make all conference. And believe me, kind of like the Illini, if you're in the SEC – and you've got three players good enough to make all-conference, including the leading tackler in the league named Nathaniel Winston. He's a linebacker. That's a pretty talented group. They only gave up 24 points a game. Uh, They were stingy on third down. They were very good in the red zone. So I think, you know, and I say we because I'm a Big Ten guy and I root for the Illini too, of course, I think we have got our hands full with the Mississippi State defense knowing that Chase Brown is out. The good news is Tommy DeVito's there. But I think Barry Lenny's going to have to find a way to, you know, spread this group out and make them play in space. I don't know that they'll be able to get in there tight and hammer it out, certainly uh, over the long haul come, uh, come this ballgame.
2: Well, you know, the thing that worries me is you're going to have two guys at corner, Scott and Strain, two young guys at the corners, not Nicholson and not Witherspoon. And this is a really a prolific passing attack, regardless Absolutely. if Leach isn't there. I mean they're gonna call they're gonna have the same plays that he put in originally, so can Illinois stop that passing attack?
3: Yeah. Now you, you hit a, a good point right on the head, Lauren. I was gonna uh, jump into that just a little bit. Their quarterback is Will Rogers, mm-hmm. really good player. He was one of eleven finalists for the Manning Award. Uh he was first in the SEC. 32 completions a game, not passes, 32 completions a game, 34 passing TDs, just, you know, huge numbers. And they spread it around. They had seven guys with 30 or more catches, including both running backs. So you're going to get receivers catching the ball. You're getting uh, running backs catching the ball. They really don't use a tight end. But the thing is, they roll guys in there. And to your point, losing the corners the Illinois, uh, had throughout the uh, regular season and playing against what is arguably one of the top aerial circus type offenses in the country. That, that will be a big deal. So what has to happen? The guys up front, that D line, the blitzing linebackers for Illinois is they're going to have to make Rodgers get rid of the ball quicker than he wants to. And the other thing they have to do because they will spread you out. Illinois has to tackle. They have to tackle really, really well and get people down on the ground when the ball is not thrown deep. Limit the short pass, make them line up and run another play, but don't give them plays intermediate to deep.
0: Coach, it's been a treat to be talking to you all year through the football season. We started way back in August before uh, the first kickoff even happened in week zero. And we've been doing this mostly every week, and it's been a real treat. Uh, through serendipity, you've been able to become part of the program and write for the News Gazette as well. So thank you.
2: Uh, and we've had a chance to learn a lot of football listening, haven't we? I think we've gotten smarter.
3: <laughs> well, it's, been, it's truly been my pleasure, and I want you to know uh, just a little uh, humor here, but uh, we've expanded our uh, listening audience to uh, Europe. <laughs> okay. I've got my, my wife, uh, my sister in law, my wife's sister in Switzerland, her mm-hmm. family, and also some people that were tied to me uh, when I was coaching that team in Italy last year. So, we're all over the globe, whether you like it or
0: not. Okay. Okay. And if they're listening live, it's it's past their bedtime, so they must no,
3: be up late over there. They they have very strong coffee, so they they can stay away. Strong coffee.
0: Okay. Take me there, yeah. then. In that case.
3: <laughs> Guys, thanks so much. Enjoy the weekend and uh, happy New Year to you as well. Happy okay. New
0: Year to you and yours, and be well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Coach Q Nick Quartaro. He's been an assistant at uh, several stops in the Big Ten, also the Big 12, played at Iowa. He was a kicker, and he writes in the News Gazette regularly, and he's been a part of our football coverage, and we really appreciate him for it. We're back in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS.
4: Illinois family, this is Brett Bielema. You've got the home of Illinois football. News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM.
0: Okay, your 2022 Pinstripe Bowl champs are the Minnesota Golden Gophers. They are nine and four. They finished their year nine and four, and I just saw this third time in four seasons they've won at least nine games. Can't beat Illinois, can they? <laughs> Only time they didn't win nine was in the seven-game COVID season. It's as good of a stretch they've had since 1900 to 1905. Look, uh, like him or not, P.J. Fleck's been pretty consistent up there.
2: Oh, yeah. He's done a good job. There's no question. I, I kind of look for him to move, but uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I think he's probably settled in up there, and maybe he's not getting the offers that he hoped to get.
0: Also, uh, in the in making uh, world headlines, Pele has, mm-hmm. has passed 82 away. 82 years old. And the Brazilian great. Is it as important to... Uh, I mean, what Michael Jordan was to basketball mm-hmm. when he was playing Pele was to soccer, but he was the first soccer superstar and and and, and graceful and elegant on the field and how he played it and, and was as big as an ambassador for the sport as anybody, and it's a global sport. So there's a lot of people that are noting the passing of, of Pele.
2: And we're hanging on and waiting for Luke Altmeyer to make his decision. I mean he's made his decision, he's coming to Illinois, but is he gonna is he gonna go through with it? What would change his mind? More money from somebody else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Isn't that what
0: changes all the minds? Often. So uh, the Cheez-It Bowl has started, and Florida State leads Oklahoma 3 to nothing. Illinois and Bethune-Cookman basketball tonight. We haven't talked too much about it yet because we're going to get into it plenty in the, in the next hour as well. But when we come back, uh, we've been bringing you a few highlights of the football season. We'll bring you part two of a highlight package before this hour is up. Matt and uh, Matt Daniels will be the guest. Evan Kahn, next hour, while we transport over to the State Farm Center so that's all straight ahead you're listening to Sports Talk on DWS We're going to close out this hour like we did yesterday with some more highlights for you put together by Adam Austin of Illinois Football Highlights this is part two of some highlights from the season not all of them but some of them enjoy for your listening pleasure and a look back on Illinois football
5: DeVito, short drop, throw left, got a man open, Marquise, 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Michael Marquez open on the left side, busted coverage, touchdown Illinois! First and 10, Illinois on the penalty of the Virginia 45. Back to pass, DeVito, pocket holds, throws deep right, looking for a man right, sideline, got at the two-yard line. Down the right sideline, that was as pretty a pass as you'll see right over the top of the defender all the way down to the two, a gain of 38. DeVito under center, a couple of tight ends, turns, fakes to Brown, dumps to the end zone, and wide open, touchdown! Oh. Touchdown, Illinois! Tip Ryman! And they Illini are using the tight ends for touchdowns today. The Case has one. Twenty is 20-3 over Virginia. First and goal at the 9 in the red zone. Brought to you by Carl. In the gun, DeVito. Gives to Chase Brown around the left end. Cuts up 5 to the goal line. Still surging. He's in. Touchdown. Touchdown, Illinois. Nine yards, Chase Brown. Third rushing touchdown of the year for Chase. With Brown to his right, back to pass, throws to the right, quick hitter to the right, Isaiah Williams turns upfield, 45-40, down the right sideline, he might score, he will, touchdown! Touchdown Illinois! Man is he fast! Turn the corner at midfield, rambles 63 yards, a streak up the right sideline, touchdown Illinois, 30-0 to nothing Illini! The Wisconsin 1, leading 14 to 10. 10 and a half to go in the third quarter. Into the teeth of that student section. In their red, they spread the field. Quarterback keeper, DeVito, across the line. He's three for three. Touchdown, Illinois. And the Illini lead at Madison by 10 with 10.24 10. to go in the third. DeVito behind that big offensive line, surges ahead, and a touchdown, Illinois, 20 to 10, the Illini lead over Wisconsin. It'll be a 31-yard attempt by Caleb Griffin to extend the Illinois lead to 34 to 10. Snap back, kick is up, and the kick is good! Well, not 100%, but he's hit a couple. 31 yards on the field goal. That one from 31, a previous one from 44. And as we said earlier, just keep scoring, and the Illini are doing that. 34 to 10. And Burks is in the gun on third and long. Here comes the heat. He is in trouble, and he is out of trouble. Now he throws, and it's in. gets the pick, and the I have their second interception of the game as Mertz was running for his life back there, and he threw a really bad pass right to Nicholson near midfield. The I have a chance, now on the Badgers side of the field, to take the lead.
0: All right, put together by Adam Austin, there was a second part of our highlight recap. Of course, Brian Barnhart on the call. Our number two of Sports Talk coming up. Evan and Matt will be with you Lauren and I will join you from the State Farm Center at the bottom of the hour on WDWS Champaign-Urbana
6: Just call me the undertaker with the length of that entrance to the bridge of sports talk here on this beautiful Thursday early evening. Welcome in Evan Khan Matt Daniels here with you for the next oh, 15 or so minutes as we get ready for Illinois basketball and a whole lot going on here over the next few days. Illinois women's basketball will actually be on these airwaves coming up tonight and then We'll join up with the men's basketball coverage as well. We've got bowl game coverage uh, really getting underway. Brett Bioma talked to the media today, that game coming up on, on Monday. But mm-hmm. I mean, I went out to lunch today and and I thought it was time for spring baseball. I mean, we got 55 degree weather, just gloomy and rainy. I, I thought we were going to play some baseball. But. Yeah,
1: it uh, had quite the feel of a late February uh, <laughs> here in, in East Central Illinois and uh, definitely did not have the uh, feel of what it was like uh, right around Christmas when it was freezing cold (laughs) and there was snow on the ground. So yeah, it's an interesting time of year and got a doubleheader tonight with uh, Illinois basketball. Women tip off at 6.30 at Wisconsin before the men uh, get Reggie Theus and (laughs) Bethune-Cookman at 7.30 uh, here in Champaign. And yeah, bowl prep is ongoing down in in Tampa, and uh, yeah, a lot, uh, lot going on right now.
6: As far as headlines go, they, they covered it pretty well last hour, but it uh, sounds like the Bears are, are interviewing Kevin Warren for their opening as president and CEO with Ted Phillips getting ready to retire. I also saw somebody, like a name that I didn't even know with the Cubs, also interviewed, okay. so you know, it, it, it's it's part of the process, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're going to bring in guys in the statement from the Big Ten. I could I could read it to you, but it's a whole lot of nothing saying that Kevin Warren and just kind of explores opportunities when he can to to broaden his horizons, sure. if you will. But yeah, exactly. uh, so so now that's kind of on watch as the Bears look for a, a, a new president. Yeah, and I maybe mean, maybe if, the Big Ten might be making changes
1: if uh, if Kevin Warren didn't face an onslaught of criticism for some of the <laughs> things he's done as Big Ten commissioner's brief tenure. Just buckle up and get ready if you're about to be the, the president and CEO of of the Chicago Bears. So that would be quite the, the move for him. Obviously, Warren does have a background in the NFL, specifically in the NFC North, yeah. too, with his, his time as a uh, executive with uh, the Minnesota Vikings before he kind of came out of nowhere and became the commissioner of the Big Ten. It's been a tumultuous tenure so far, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to write it off and say it's the end of the Kevin Warren era in the Big Ten, although... You hear his name getting leaked out there probably for a reason. reason. Uh, kind of read between the lines with that. But yeah, he's uh, he got lambasted for his handling or mishandling of uh, trying to put together a college football season in, back in August 2020 in the, the midst of, of the pandemic. And then gets universally praised in June 2022 <laughs> when he drops the, the hammer on everyone's summer plans by saying, oh yeah, the Big Ten's going to add USC and, and UCLA and the league is just going to be swimming in money uh, which come to find out they will be when the the new media rights agreement was announced in, in August uh, about 8 billion dollars $8 billion over 8 years mm-hmm. so there's that um, <laughs> if he leaves it'd be I, I would say I didn't wake up this morning thinking I was going to be hearing or talking about Kevin Warren possibly being in charge of the Chicago Bears, but that's the world we live in right now, and uh, we'll we'll see if it happens. Maybe maybe he'll be the CEO and make them become the move to the Arlington Heights Bears. Well, that's
6: the road as well. that that was immediately what I thought of when I saw his name came up and other people were referencing it as well. He, he saw the construction of that mm-hmm. stadium up there, which pretty much everybody but me I, I think has been to when they, they just talk about how great it is. and, and U.S. And Bank Stadium? Yeah.
1: Yeah, the Vikings' new home. It's uh, it's impressive. I've just driven by it uh, a few times and it looks like a giant ship in <laughs> kind of the middle of, of downtown Minneapolis. Haven't been inside it at all, but uh, certainly it looks nice when you when you see it on TV.
6: So that's a, a big part of it, but uh, also many other things, like you said, his background and all that, but uh, we'll, we'll see if the, the Bears do indeed go that direction and, and what that would mean for the Big Ten if they were to pivot away from Kevin Warren for him to take a new job. Something you did plan to talk about here, we've got Illinois basketball coming up, uh, pre-game coverage at 5.30 and tip-off at at 7.30. This is usually one of those games that uh, we'll see how the crowd attendance looks Mm -hmm. for it and and the team just kind of... Tries to, to coast through 40 minutes, but the uh, Illini have a lot of work to do, I think. Uh, a lot to, to prove to some people inside and outside the locker room against Bethune-Cookman.
1: Yeah, especially after the way they got uh, routed by, by Missouri, who, to their credit, took it to Kentucky uh, last night. So, the exact uh, same way. Exactly. So maybe you see the Tigers in the AP Top 25 when it comes out <laughs> on Monday. We'll, we'll have to, to wait and see. If you're an Illinois fan you just don't want... Bethune Cookman to be mentioned up there, down the road with the likes of Tennessee State and <laughs> Illinois Chicago and Bradley and some of the other regrettable losses, non-conference losses to either low major or mid-major programs that Illinois has had throughout the years. Um, Bethune Cookman's not a good basketball team. They're they're four and eight coming out of the SWAC. Uh, a team from the SWAC has never beaten the Illini. Uh, Will be entertaining to probably see Reggie Theus on the sidelines. <laughs> He's the the Bethune Cookman coach, the former NBA player and former college coach, former star of Hang Time back in the day on on NBC. Shouts <laughs> to anyone that can remember that far back at all. Uh, but yeah, if Illinois doesn't come away with a a better performance than what they put against the last SWAC team they played, which is Alabama A and M on on December seventeenth, and yeah, they won, ended up winning 68-47, 21 point win, but. It was dicey there, mm-hmm. midway through the second half, and you don't really sure what you're going to come to expect. And then after that game, that's when you know Matthew Meyer kind of said his piece, and in, in the post game press conference, where there seemed to be kind of a disconnect between him and Brad Underwood, and then whatever disconnect is going on carried over to the Bragging Rights game where. Illinois just look bad. They, they just played really bad basketball last Thursday night. So I think if you're an Illinois fan, you want to see them come out with some energy. It's going to be – you kind of have to generate your own energy, sure. Mm-hmm. Be a great crowd at, at State Farm Center most likely. Uh, but still, it, this is a game where it's not as easy to get up for as it is, say, playing Texas and Madison Square Garden or UCLA out in Vegas this is Bethune-Cookman. Uh, you really aren't going to hear about them much of the rest of the season. And this is their chance to kind of make a name for themselves on the national stage. And Illinois needs to to play good basketball in order to make that uh, not happen.
6: Yeah, considering what's gone on the, the last, I don't know, two, three weeks, this seems like the longest month ever. Like, Do you remember Illinois beat Texas in Madison, Madison Square Garden, like,
1: A lot. I don't know, 20 days ago? A lot has happened since they uh, since they walked off the court at MSG feeling really, really good about themselves. And uh, that flight home from Champaign was probably the last time they've let Brad Underwood or his players have felt good about uh, about their performance on the court, Underwood said, "You know the, the practices after the Texas win were mm-hmm. were pretty sluggish, pretty bad." And then he let him have it uh, after the the Penn State home loss, which Penn State's not bad. They're they're no. ten and three. Pickett's Pickett's tearing mm-hmm. everybody apart. Jalen Pickett's really really good. Uh, they they won again today. Uh, now they're ten and three overall, but still that's a loss that. Not a lot of people expected when you come off and beat the the second ranked team in the country, and and to be honest, Illinois kind of stole that one from from Texas. Oh yeah, uh, they were down what five with forty seconds to go, and Jaden Epps had a big corner three, and then Texas made kind of a bonehead play and fouled Epps, and he made two free throws and got it to overtime, and then Terrence Shannon woke up. and and we haven't really seen that since and I think if you want to see some positive signs tonight you want to see Terrence Shannon uh, attacking the basket Uh, you want to see Matthew Meyer uh, connecting from deep you want to see Coleman Hawkins kind of give a consistent performance Mm -hmm. from the opening whistle to the end I'll be curious to see if Underwood makes any changes to his starting lineup at all Uh, Sincere Harris is a guy that Mm -hmm. Underwood has publicly said is the only one that plays hard Um, he's given them some good minutes at times this year, just hasn't been on the court that much. Dane danger was probably their best offense in the first half against Missouri, just in terms of producing offensive rebounds and going back up with them. But I don't know. You you just can't see another clunker. Uh, you can get away with that probably against Bethune Cookman, but it really won't settle anyone's nerves because once (laughs) the calendar flips, Big Ten play arrives, and, and that's here next Wednesday with a trip up north to Evanston to play Northwestern. Granted, Illinois dominated that series recently, won nine straight against the Wildcats. It hasn't been easy, though. It hasn't been easy. <laughs> and, and Northwestern's not a bad team this year. They're sitting at 10-2. Had a close win today, though, against Brown. Veteran uh, team. There you go. Um, I mean, Illinois fans will turn out in droves uh, up at Welsh Ryan Arena, kind of make it State Farm Center North. But still... You you want to have some good vibes come off off the game tonight against Bethune Cookman before uh, the gauntlet of a Big Ten play arrives. It,
6: it looks like a, a good matchup for such a, a thing. Looking at at the guys, they play a lot of six foot to six six guys. They've got a, a couple bigs that they sprinkle in there, but they're more just guys taking up space. And this isn't they've got some experience guys as most teams do but it's not a a senior and grad senior laden team like a a Penn State and a Missouri. Only thing I think to watch out for I I saw they've got a a guy from Chicago I don't know if that means I don't know Mm -hmm. if that means anything to him to to be here and playing Illinois but you imagine Imagine. maybe a a little something probably has people that Mm -hmm. that could come and see him more than
1: down in Florida. I'm sure he's going to come out with a little extra juice a little extra (laughs) motivation to kind of prove some, some people wrong in the early going so Uh, Illinois just can't let Bethune-Cookman hang around this is a game that you know by 9 o'clock tonight you hope that Brian Barnhart and Mike LaTulip on the broadcaster, you know, reminiscing about LaTulip's days as a walk-on for the yes. Illinois team, and, and not really dissecting. Okay, it's a two-possession game, so we'll we'll see what happens.
6: So Illinois in action against Bethune Cookman. Our game day coverage will start here shortly at 5:30, both here and on WHMS. We will go over there when women's basketball coverage gets going at 6:15. Uh, restart of the Big Ten season. Another. Opportunity to Sean, for Shauna Green and her squad to keep mm-hmm. showing that that this early start is for real, and Wisconsin has been a, a team that Illinois women's basketball has been able to get the best of at, mm-hmm. at times here over the last few years. So uh,
1: I- excited for them! Yeah, the Badgers were the best sort of medicine in, in the Nancy Faye era for for the Illini. Uh, pretty much any time they played, Illinois was guaranteed uh, a win. Uh, they, the two teams met last year in, in the Big Ten tournament first round. Uh, they're perennially. Playing on the first day of the Big Ten tournament in in recent years, and uh, Shauna Green and the Illini are looking to to change that narrative. And in order to do so, you need to go up to the Kohl Center tonight, and you need to come back to Champaign with a win. Wisconsin is not a good basketball team this year. They're sitting at four and nine overall. Yeah, zero and two in the Big Ten. Uh, They've had non conference losses to uh, Illinois State, Valparaiso, and Green Bay, uh, among others. Uh, Illinois. you're still kind of looking for that that signature win, and that's not going to come tonight, even if they do beat Wisconsin. Although, to get to two wins in the Big Ten is something this program has not done recently at all. Last year, they had one Big Ten win. The previous three seasons combined, they had six total Big Ten wins. So that's saying something about where they're at. Um, Even some of the non-conference wins they've had, they've been impressive, but Pitt is not a good team. Uh, Florida Atlantic, decent record but they handle them they, they haven't had that tough tough road or tough non-conference uh, opponent yet so far but it is encouraging that uh they okay I take that back they they did win at Missouri that was a good win mm-hmm. to say the least but uh Big Ten play arrives and it's from here on out the rest of the way so we'll uh, we'll really get to see what uh Shawna Green and the Atlanta women's basketball teams made of
6: yeah, that's just uh, the appetizer to what this weekend will be. Women's basketball, men's basketball. We didn't even really touch on the bowl game. We'll have a whole two hours tomorrow dedicated to that here on this program and then the big matchup on Sunday against Caitlin Clark in mm-hmm. Iowa. So... Uh, it- Plenty, plenty going on in yeah. the the world of sports <laughs> and, and for the news gazette. So Matt Daniels, we'll let you get back to it. Thanks Sounds good, Ethan.
1: Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, Evan, <laughs> thanks, sorry. thanks, man, Dan. I'm just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Yeah, exactly. Back in the day, so. inside joke there.
6: <laughs> <laughs> but good stuff. <laughs> thanks, hey, enjoy Evan. enjoy the day off tomorrow. I Happy will. New Years. You too, Happy John. holidays. You too, Evan. We've got. Game day coverage coming up next here on News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Lauren and Scott just after the break.